y'all. Welcome to Carmichael Radio. This is a podcast about Carolina women's basketball. My name is Travis Lund, and I am here with Ms. Terry Stacker. Hey, guys. Uh, we are currently unaware of the whereabouts, uh, either logging into this recording or otherwise, of Anthony and Andrew. Uh, so we are just going to get rolling with the pair of us today. And uh, if they show up, they show up. But uh, otherwise, you will get me and Terry uh, breaking things down here. We would be remiss uh, before we get to any other business if we did not um, address the incident, which I'm sure everybody has seen going around, uh, that apparently there was a racist slur uh, hurled by an NC State fan towards the Carolina players as they were coming out of the tunnel in Reynolds Coliseum on Thursday night. Um, from statements issued by both schools, it seems like NC State is looking into it. Um and, you know, I, I can only hope that whoever whoever was responsible for that is uh, is identified and hopefully banned from Reynolds for at least some portion of time, if not lifetime. Um, there's just absolutely no place for that um, anywhere in the world, but certainly not in a basketball game. It's it's a game. There's, there's, you know, rivalry, and it's one of the things that people love about sports, and that's all great, but there is there is normal rivalry trash talk, and there's going way too far into completely inexcusable, horrific bigotry that should not be tolerated anywhere at any time. Um, so we only hope, and, you know, to, to say, to be very clear, um, this does not mean... Because I saw people going this way with some of the the tweets online. This doesn't mean that everybody at NC State or that anybody who roots for NC State that they're all that way um, should be very careful about um, saying those kinds of things. But just absolutely horrifying, and we hope that whoever was caught, or rather whoever was responsible, um, is identified and disciplined in some way. Um, Terry, anything to, to add here? Or? Yeah, um, exactly what you said. I, I think it's sad that in 2024, you would have someone like shouting whatever it was that they shouted um, at a college student who's just playing basketball um, for the opposing team, which it happens to be a robbery. And I, and I get that. And I get the passion that, you know, these fans have. Um, for their team, but there's just no place for that in college basketball. Like at the end of the day, they are humans, you know, they, they have feelings and they should be able to do what they love to do without being called out of their name. Um, so it, it's just crazy that that's still happening in, in 2024. Um, and like you said, you know, I hope they find whoever it was and like ban them from coming to rentals, um, for the foreseeable future. Um, but, you know, when you have the head coach, Wes Moore, say that he holds the fans at class, classless, it's almost like giving them permission to act the way that they do. And I've, I've heard lots of stories about how NC State fans, you know, act at sporting events. Um, and it's it's sad. Um, but, you know, like I hope our girls was able to get through that and just know it, you know, it doesn't happen like everywhere that they go. 
um, you know, to play basketball. And, you know, obviously we support them and, you know, I just hope they were, they were able to like move on from it and not really, you know, dwell on it too much. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's, I mean, it coaches said before that, you know, that's the one road game she will not let her kids go to because apparently they have taken some abuse from NC state fans. And yeah, uh, for those that may not follow the team all that closely, uh, coaches, kids are just little kids, um, and have been subjected to some stuff in that, that venue before. Um, so and I would also, um, I would also just want to take a moment to say to to Carolina fans um, that if you were one of the people who wanted to respond, you know, see, look at those people over in Raleigh. They're so classless. They're such backwards, you know, bigots or whatever. Because I, I did see a lot of this going around online. Um, that's kind of missing the point because. This obviously is not just something that occurs at NC State. It occurs everywhere. It's And that's sad. That's horrifying, but it's true. And so I just, you are right to be offended. You are right to be angry on behalf of our girls and our team, 100%. But let's keep that same energy. If you see anybody in Carolina Blue or in Argyle saying anything like that, I hope that you have just as strong a reaction and I hope that you are willing to be as outraged when we see something like that, no matter whose colors, what team the person saying it is supporting, because this is bigger than basketball and certainly goes beyond anything that might be specific to NC State University it's a much larger problem than that. So I just, let's, let's make sure that that level of outrage is consistent, no matter where we see this stuff, be that sports or anywhere else out there in the world. Um, anyway, with that, um, let's, I suppose, move on to the game. There's really no way to transition out of something that horrifying. Um, that's not sort of, inherently uh clunky but we will go ahead and move on to what went down on the basketball court thursday night um this was of course a 63 to 59 loss to the Wolfpack. um deja led the way for us 21 points four boards three dimes not a super efficient night eight from 20 from the floor to a six from three uh, did hit all three free throws. Um, Maria and Liss uh, put up did very nearly identical lines here. Both 10 points, both 11 rebounds, both two blocks. Um, Liss also had five dimes, or pardon me, four dimes and five steals, uh, which, good Lord, girl. Um, Renaya cooled off a little bit from her uh, sort of blistering pace the last couple of games, uh, down to seven points and a board. Um and, you know, two of six from the floor, one of three from three. And I've it, it kind of, I wish she'd have taken a few more shots. It felt like she could have gotten in rhythm, um, but she just, she did not pull a ton uh, from the field. Um, Lexi had a rough night, man. Uh, 
seven, uh, two, two, and two for dimes, boards, and steals, uh, three of eight from the floor, and um, one of five behind the arc. Um, and then Indy, four points, two boards off the bench. Uh, none of the other bench people really did anything. Um, and we will get to uh, there is a there is a postmortem that needs to be done on the last five or six minutes of this game uh, for sure. But um, before we step into that, um, Terry, just did how did you feel overall about this? Um, what do you need to call out as far as either positive or negative um, from the first you know three and a half quarters before we get into what went wrong down the backstretch there? Yeah, you know I thought. We played an okay game starting out. I, I like the fact that we went to zone. I think when we went to zone, we were able, you know, to stop them. Like they were just turning the ball over. Um, if they got a shot, we were able to rebound. So they weren't getting a lot of offensive rebounds. Like the zone was a very good decision for us, but man to man was just not good. And I don't understand the, the coaching decision to switch from zone to man. I don't know if it was just like the personnel that was on the floor at the time. They just felt that man to man was better, but it just was not a good decision. And I think that's when they kind of went on their little run when we went back to man to man. I know India Novar, you know, she was put in the game and, we went back to man to man and her person just blew right by her, went straight to the bucket, like two possessions in a row and they pulled India out rightfully. So, um, but yeah, I just think down the stretch, we just didn't play intelligent basketball. Um, yeah, we just got to be better down the stretch. I don't even think it was exhaustion because they did not look exhausted. It's just not making the right decisions. Um, missing wide open layups, Deja for sure blew one. I think she was trying to draw the foul. You can't do that. I, I know you like want to try to get an and one, but you gotta you gotta play the game to score. If they call a foul, that's a plus. But at that point, like you smoked a wide open layup. You just cannot have that. Um, and then the last play where we didn't even get a shot off because Lexi was called for the offensive foul. I think as a fifth year senior, you have to be better than that. Like I, I know a play was called, but you have to be able to kind of think through, okay, how are they playing me defensively? Like how, how can I, you know, maybe flare, flare away from the screen and, you know, spot up behind the arc and shoot a three. I think that could have been a play that was made at the end, but instead she tried to kind of like, bulldozed her way through uh James and was called for an offensive foul and so the game was over um so you just got to be better just got to be better down the stretch there's no other way to like put it uh yeah and that was um you pointed this out um and this was uh this certainly flared up online right after it happened but that's the that's the second game um in a row when DK has hunted contact instead of just going up strong, but she had a good angle on the rim. Um, and yeah, Lex, I either flare or maybe even dive inside, like do anything other than attempt to bulldoze your way through a double and fight over that. Like it just, 
that did not go well at all. Um, and yeah, the the zone was was working. I like you. Um, I'm fairly baffled as to why we went away from that. And as you mentioned, it might have been who's on the floor and coach not not trusting that they could maintain strong principles and gaps in zone, but that clearly cost us down the stretch. Um, and there were a couple inbound plays late. There was one, um, we had forced a turnover and clearly we're not super organized coming down the floor and coach called a timeout, which was, I, I thought very smart, just, you know, get everything reset and everything like that. But then I do not know what that play design was coming out of the ATO that it did not work. It did not. It, I'm not sure if there was a miscommunication or what, but I went back and watched that a couple times and it just something clearly fell apart there. Um, and I, you know, coach said on holding court earlier this week that there's places in certain roles for certain people. And she was specifically talking about Ali Z. Um, who we love dearly, but I have to question how many minutes she got and Anya not getting any until they basically got her in there late um, for her acumen rebounding missed free throws, basically. for They put her in there for that one play. But I, I did not see anything about um, any sort of injury status or maybe a reason she would have been held out or anything like that. And if I missed it, I apologize. But what... Why did we see no Anya Poole in this game? It, it, I, I really, she could have changed some things for sure. Um, and especially, I think she's our strongest, not, and by strongest, I don't mean no, most skilled, I mean literally strongest interior presence. And we could have used some of that, um, especially when they had sort of made that run, um, largely through DK's sheer force of will to close the gap in the third quarter. Um, and it just, I, things, there were some head scratching coaching decisions. There were some poor execution. There were some bad decisions on the floor by the players. It just, the, the backstretch of this game was one you just kind of shake your head at and move on because it was so out of character for everybody involved. Yeah. And key, I'm not sure. She only played two minutes, so I'm not sure why she also didn't get any playing time, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Zelaya played way too many minutes and honestly, I think I would be fine with the minutes she played if she just wasn't jacking up three point shots um, whenever she comes in the game. And I don't know you know, if the coaches, and we've talked about this before, if the coaches are giving her the green light to take those shots, or if she feels like, you know, I'm only going to get so many minutes of playing time. So while I'm in the game, I'm just going to make the the most of my minutes, which is, you know, understandable. But in games like these, I think you need your best players on the floor and no disrespect to her, but like, you're not, a very good three-point shooter we know you can make them we know you can because we we've seen you make a couple but in a game like this against the ranked opponent on their home court it's you just have to know like 
I don't know. You just have to know the one time and score and you just have to know what's a good shot and what's not a good shot. So yeah, some head scratching coaching decisions for sure. And I even tweeted that I thought it was, you know, some awful coaching decisions in this game and a little frustrated too at the amount of losses that we have. You know, we have seven losses and that's not something that I thought would happen this year with the, you know, the team that we have. At most at this point, I thought that we would have is three. And others may disagree, but the three that I was counting in South Carolina, there's no shame in that. They're still undefeated, the number one team in the nation. Um, UConn and then Florida State. All of the other games that we've lost were very winnable games for us. In fact, I think we should have won those games. So, you know, I don't know. Hopefully we rebound. We, you know, the tail end of our schedule is tough. We still have Duke twice, NC State again, Virginia Tech twice. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. So I just hope we can rebound and get some wins. Uh, yeah, and I do want to, um, I mean, I, I do want to shout out that this was, um, Deja really in the third quarter was just, she, she has the power to do that. And when she lights up like that, it really is special. Um, this felt an awful lot like that Boston college game up in Chestnut Hill. I believe it was two seasons ago when DK basically by herself in the third quarter just said, eh, we're not, we're not losing this game. Um, and they came, you know, when it was down double digits, you thought, oh boy, this is, <laughs> this is, this is precipitous. We are, we are in a world of trouble here and they, they clawed back. But yeah, I, I have to agree with you. It's the, the getting back and getting it in that, that will be, um, you know, that'll probably be the toughest road environment we play all year because of the nature of the rivalry and because of what that joint is, um, all jokes and trash talk aside uh, about NC State and Reynolds Coliseum, those the, that place is rocking every game. Um, I've been to enough of them now to, to say that pretty confidently. Those it will be loud and it will be hostile, especially towards Carolina. Um, and they they could have easily let the game get away from them in an environment like that against a, a really good. I mean, you know, this is not when we say we should have won the game. Uh, that is a very, very good basketball team in Raleigh. We're not saying that we should have been superior to them from a talent perspective or anything like that. What we're saying is we had it and had some decisions been made differently by everybody. It probably puts them, it, it, there's no guarantees, but it it puts them in a better position, a more tactically advantageous position to try and win that game because State didn't play particularly great. Neither team did. It was, it was pretty sloppy. It was, I mean, you can't even call this a rock fight because they weren't, they weren't throwing rocks that were hitting anybody. It was, it was all over the place. You go back, you look at both teams' stats, they're pretty much dead even across the board. The shooting splits are about the same. Um, nobody, you know, I felt like it was, there were no seriously uh, egregious officiating uh, discrepancies. It just, 
they were right there. And this has been a problem with every team that we play that's ranked except Notre Dame. We seem to be able to to summon something for them, but they and I saw some people grousing about this online. Um, now I would encourage anybody getting too head up about it to cast your mind back and recall uh, what things were like with this team in 2016, 2017, 2018 before you complain too loudly. But there is a thing where when we go up against top flight competition, Notre Dame aside, they can't ever seem to quite get it done. Um, and I don't, I don't know what to what to make of that as far as just a wider concern. I did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have, maybe you have answers, but if you do, please forward them to coach bang. Yeah. I mean, I know we've talked about this before and, and I've seen it on, you know, some of the, the boards that's out there. Um, Twitter. It's like, yeah, like you said, we can't seem to, pull out those rank wins. I mean, we get some every now and then, like, you know, we beat Louisville, you know, we might split the series with, you know, Virginia Tech. We might even split with NC State, depending on the year. But it's like, we just can't seem to, I don't know, like, win the ones that we should be winning, I think. And it's like, we have the talent, but it's it's something. It, and someone said on Twitter, she was like, you know, there is something like missing with this team. And I responded and I said, a stretch four and a point guard. And I, when I say point guard, I kind of mean like a veteran led point guard. You know, that's something that DK has kind of had to play without her four years at UNC. And so she's been playing a lot of points. So she's never really played with a veteran point guard. Um, or at least like a freshman that could come in like a Hannah Hidalgo and just unreal, a generational talent, right? So imagine if we had that paired with the, the talent that we do have, how much better we would be. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, we have missing pieces and then let's not forget all the injuries that we have as well. Who knows how this roster would look or how many losses we would have if we had our complete roster this whole entire season. So. Uh, yeah. And as you have said before, you know, that the injuries aren't an excuse because everybody's dealing with them. You know, I mean, Jesus, we could be TCU. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to complain about the injury situation too strongly, but when's I, is Jamie Cherry the last like pure point that we've really had? I mean, you kind of go back and think about it. I, Paris Key, Steph Watts, combo guards, right? Like, I. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it was Jamie Cherry. Yeah. And I mean, DK, you know, has been good. And I, I, I sort of vacillate between we, if we had a, what you were saying, you know, if we had a really good, solid veteran point. But also she does she does function better, at least in certain circumstances, when she is the primary initiator because she's able to hunt and read and she's a she's a good passer and you know, yeah, the stretch for and to me obviously when she's when she's good to go, um, is going to be a massive 
massive element to add in terms of that. Um, and it was, I mean, I, it was, it was notable enough that they kept repeating it on the broadcasts. Um, I, we, we just need more spacing. There's, there's a million things that list does just about better than anybody in the country, especially all in one package. But if she gets a touch more than 15 feet out, you know, and we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but when, when the broadcasters keep saying multiple times, like they're, they're not going to guard her out there. Like, you know, I, when it is so glaring that they feel the need to keep reiterating that on a game call, because these are people that don't, you know, don't track this team night in, night out the way we do like that. And especially I, it just, there were multiple interviews when she said, you know, we really, I really worked on that this off season, getting, getting a better outside shot. I'm really, really ready to add that to my game. Um, and it just hasn't materialized. And I don't, I, it feels like at this point, it's gotta be a, a mental thing, um, with her. And I just don't, I don't know what you do about that, but yeah, we, we need probably one more true spacing shooter. And then, like you said, a, a stretch floor and hopefully a real genuine point guard. Um, and we'll just, you know, we'll have to see, um, from what it, from what we hear, it seems like list is probably leaning towards coming back for a fifth year. Um, I think with DK, it'll probably depend a lot on exactly which guards declare for the draft. Um, she might wait to see exactly what her competition is going to look like there before she makes a call on that. Um, I think both of them certainly are, are talented enough at the very least to, to make a roster in camp and, and get a chance to, to stick in the league. Um, but that'll be for a decision down the line. Um, yeah. Do, do you have any final, I mean, obviously this was a, this was a tough one and especially cause they were right there at the end. Um, do you have any final thoughts or just kind of specifics that you want to want to touch on here before we move along? Yeah. Um, you know, I just hope they continue to build, continue to work hard, um, and practice, uh, stack days, um, get better. It's a hard stretch that we got coming up and we have a very limited bench. And so, you know, if you're on the court, just make the most of your minutes. Like I say all the time, just do what you can do. Like, don't try to do anything more, you know, outside of your skill set. You know, just help the team the best you can. And, you know, hopefully we can, you know, pull out um, some wins and and see what kind of noise we can make um, going down the stretch. Because, you know, it doesn't get any easier with March Madness, so... Yeah, it's excited to see how we finish out the regular season. Uh, yeah, and I would say there's probably, uh, you know, T- TCU aside, there's probably not a team on earth who is more ready for their their break day in the schedule um, than this team. We got one more before we get to that, however. Uh, this will be Sunday at noon. Uh, that will be tomorrow, as you're hearing this, in Carmichael. Against the Virginia Tech Hokies, 
Uh, this is Kenny Brooks, eighth season as head coach up there in Blacksburg, and they made the Final Four last year. They are very, very, very good again this year. Um, although not, I think they're really missing Taylor Sewell. Um, they're still extremely dangerous, obviously. Um, 17 and four on the year and eight and two in conference play so far, but um, they're sort of, a, they are, I think, especially for a team as sound and versatile defensively as we are, uh, might be an easier matchup than you might think because they have the most terrifying pick and roll combination probably in the country with Georgia Amor and Liz Kitley. Um, you know, it's one of the, one of the best guards and one of the best bigs in the country full stop Liz Kitley. This will be what her third year, at least in consideration for conference player of the year. Um, she's averaging 22.4 points, 11.3 boards, shooting 55% from the floor. And Amor is, you know, 17.6 points, 7.5 dimes a game. Um, she is also one of their better free throw shooters. She is 90% from the stripe there. And their other threat is Matilda Eck. Uh, she's averaging just a tick over 10 points a game and is close to 92% from the stripe. So Amor and Eck, obviously the two folks we want to avoid fouling late. Um, they play a very, very deep rotation. They're almost the opposite of us. Um, there are nine players this year for the Hokies averaging at least 10 minutes a game. So they really go deep. Uh, and Brooks is, uh, judicious with playing time for a lot of folks on the roster, but, um, Amor and Kitley are the, the main focus and Eck, if she, uh, gets hot, obviously, um, they are terrifyingly efficient in every scoring metric, except for one, which I feel like especially plays into a team as smart defensively as we are. Um, they do not get to the stripe like at all. They are at a 14.3% free throw rate. That is good for 306th in the country. Uh, so they're real, real bad at generating foul shots. Now, a lot of times they don't need it because, again, Amor and Kitley are such beasts and will just put it in the bucket regardless. But um, just one thing to keep an eye on. Um, they're real bad at generating fouls, which um, plays not only into them not being able to generate points that way, but also uh, for a team as shorthanded as Carolina is right now is good because... Uh, it means that the likelihood of anybody getting into severe foul trouble is lessened significantly, which uh, is a good thing because we don't have a whole lot of bodies to throw out there if folks get into trouble like that. Um, Terry, I know both of us have had a, an opportunity to, to catch a good bit of the Hokies this year. Um, outside of Amor and Kitley, is there anything that... that you've seen that that we need to be paying particular attention to or do you have a, a suggestion for a plan of attack here tomorrow yeah i mean virginia tech goes as amor and kitley goes right so i'm actually me personally i'm not too concerned about this game because i think we can hang with them with this roster that they have this year um obviously we don't want to let kayla king go off from behind the three-point line um so yes, definitely guard the three-point line. We don't want 
to do that with Amar as Amar, excuse me, as well. Um, so going under boss screens tomorrow is probably not going to be a good idea. And hopefully we do not do that. Um, They've been making a habit of that with some shooters that they should not. Yeah. Recently. I'm like, is, is that coaching or is that you guys just going rogue and doing whatever you want to do or just not paying attention to the scout? But if we do that tomorrow, it might be a long day for us down in, in Chapel Hill. Um, so, yeah, just contain the three point shooting. Um, again, they go as Kitley and Amar go. So if we can contain them and not let them have career highs tomorrow, I think we'll be good. I think we can pull out a, a win like they are. You know, like you said, you think they're missing. Um, who was it from last year? Trailer. Taylor. Um, Taylor Sewell. Sewell. And then it was one more player that they that left the team, right? That graduated maybe. Or maybe it was just those two. But you, they're not the same team that they were from last year. So I don't know. I think it'll be a good game. Yeah. And, you know, it'll... It'll just depend. I think I think we've got enough to to give them a good game tomorrow for sure. Um and especially, you know, um y'all this will this will be on ESPN too if so you should have a way to watch it uh if you can't make it, but get on out to Carmichael for this cuz we we frankly if they if they drop this one even if it's close, we're we're back out of the top 25. I think that's that's a pretty pretty safe bet um and even with a win they might be depending on how some other things go tomorrow so we 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 need a good crowd there we need that joint rocking and uh we need to show up for our girls and hopefully we can get things going with that um so we're just gonna have to see how that shakes out uh other stuff around the league um not a lot of surprises here, although I was uh, surprised how thoroughly Louisville took care of Syracuse. Um, that was fairly impressive from the cards, given how hot Cuse had been recently. Um, and I Virginia, I Virginia played the Hokies dang tough in Castle uh, in Blacksburg on Thursday night. Um, I did catch some of that on a second screen. Um, or not a second screen, rather. That was that preceded our game on the ACC network. Um, but that this is a really good who's team, and uh, Kamora Johnson just continues to impress, obviously. But other than that, it was pretty chalk. Uh, the teams in conference that should have won won. Um, although you know, uh, shout out Clemson for a double digit win over Boston College. Um, that's that's a that's a good win for them, which they probably needed. Um, top twenty five happenings this week. Um, also, not a ton of surprises here, uh, other than Oklahoma taking out uh, number two K State. Now Kansas State was without Ioka Lee, so you know take that with a fairly large grain of salt. But that's a nice win for the Sooners. Um, and then we had, uh, boy, howdy, we had, we had us some games last night. Um, shout out coach coaches, uh, 
former coaching stop here. Uh, Princeton now in the top 25, uh, crushed Yale by 20. Um, that was awesome. But the game of the night, uh, Terry, with with your girl, uh, Juju Watkins, um, USC 67, Stanford 58. Uh, this was in Palo Alto. So the Trojans going on the road to a very, very good opponent and a very, very good team and uh, took care of business. But when I say 67, um, that's that's not exactly what happened here. Um, Juju Watkins went out of her skull for four quarters. Uh, 51 points, 11 boards, four steals. Um, one, I mean, certainly probably the best individual game of the entire season by anybody so far, I would say. Um, that was the most points in a single game by any USC player ever, which is frankly jaw-dropping given the players that have walked through Troy over the years. We're talking about Cheryl Miller. We're talking about the McGee. Tw- I mean, it, they have had some true legends go through that program and for Juju to do this as a freshman is just, I, it almost feels like people have been talking too heavily about (laughs) Hannah Hidalgo, um, you know, and saying, well, you know, we had, we thought that it was just going to be Juju this year, but Hidalgo's really making it. And Juju Watkins said, yeah, bet. Um, Terry, did you, did, did you watch any of this? It was, I, I jumped off the couch a couple times, full stop. This was unbelievable. No, I do not have the Pac-12 network. Um, so it sucks that a game like this was not on like ESPN um, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people would have loved to have watched it live, uh, but they don't have the Pac-12 network. So I missed it. I actually like fell asleep and I woke up and got on Twitter and I just saw like everyone tweeting about it and I got on Instagram and it was all over Instagram. But yeah, I mean, she's a bucket. Uh, she is a bucket. Um, she scored 51 points. Stanford only scored 58. That is insane. You don't see that often in a college game. Um, so, man, she's going to be special. I should, well, she's already special. A, a generational talent. It is going to be fun to watch her over the next three years at the college level. Um you know, this is one of those cases where I know one and done in, in college and going to the WNBA, it's not a thing. But honestly, I would not be mad at it if she left and went to the W after this year. Like, obviously, if she could. But I think she's going to do well. I think she's going to be amazing at the next level. So insane. Insane. And I mean, she was very efficient, too, if I remember correctly. I have to look at the stats, but I think. She was efficient. Uh, yeah. Hang on. Let me pull this up right quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, 14 to 26 from the floor, uh, six of 11 from deep and 17 to 19 at the stripe. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty 11 solid. Rebounds, 11 rebounds, only three turnovers. Yeah. I mean, I think down the stretch, she's going to need some help <laughs> from her team. You can't have, two of your starters not score point and then uh, only two points from the bench. You know, I don't think they'll find a lot of success um, like that, but uh, yeah, great game. 
Uh, yeah, and I mean, this was I to be clear. Uh, Stanford is one of the better teams in the country, and for her to do, and particularly defensively, for her to do this against Stanford, and as you said, not getting a ton of help. I mean. And they knew, you know, it, it wasn't like um, this was out of nowhere. Like everybody who plays that team knows exactly who your number one threat that you have to shut down is. And Stanford tried. They mm-hmm. did. They tried. It just that it didn't it didn't matter. It made absolutely zero difference. And I that's just one of those, you know. That's one of those you just kind of sit there and shake your head Um, because it just when someone gets on a heater like that, there's just nothing anybody can do. And it was I mean, Sanford played a good game. Um, You know, I Cam Brink had 19 and 15. Um, You know, Kiki put up 16 points and nine boards like Hannah Jump had a good game, 10 points. Three assists, like they, Stanford played good, although they didn't get much out of their bench. But I mean, USC had nothing else, and Juju just against one of the better defenses in the country went completely nuclear. Just, just unbelievable. Um. Moving on to the to the, the WNBA uh, right quick, since we mentioned it, um, I'm really sad Anthony's not here right now uh, because I would like to uh, thank him very much uh, for the Sparks uh, going into a full rebuild and signing trading Jordan Canada, who, thank you, Jesus, my beloved dream, have a point guard, a real one. Uh, speaking of teams that need point guards for the first time in a little while, um. So that's going to be fantastic. But have you been following any of the the free agency stuff? Because it it was real quiet for a little while there. And then uh, things just popped off uh, over the past, what, 72 hours or so. Yeah, of course, I've been following it. Go Storm. Going to have to make my way out to Seattle this summer. Um, My favorite player, again, Skylar Diggins-Smith. Traded to, um, well, I just didn't say traded because her her contract was up, but uh, signed with Seattle. So that, you know, she's back with Jewel Lloyd, someone she played with um, in college at Notre Dame. So I think they got a chance to make some noise out West and actually contend with uh, Vegas. Now, if they get NECA on board, they'll really have oh, a, God. a squad. <laughs> yeah, they'll really have a squad. I think I, the last I read, she was down to like three teams, Seattle, New York, and I can't remember who the last team was, but um, yeah, if they get NECA, man, watch out, watch out. So I'm I'm very excited to like watch the storm um this season and and watch Skyler. You know, she ain't play at all last season. So it's gonna be good to see her back on the court. And uh, I think I saw Cloud is going to Phoenix. Um who else? Yeah, like you said, Jordan Canada. Is with uh, what your your team, right? The dream. Yes, thank you. We have a point guard. Although I'm sort of, I'm a little bit confused as to what. I, no offense, she's one of the greats to ever play the game, but Tita Charles is old. Like she just, 
it's not that she's a bad player, but she doesn't fit with the timeline of the other pieces on the roster. Um, yeah, she didn't play last season, did she? No, she didn't. And, pe- yeah. you know, people were like, well, you know, a former MVP. Well, yes, former MVP mm-hmm. in 2012. But yeah, man, S- SDS and Jewel, that's what I would say automatically the, the most terrifying backcourt in the league, right? Yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. I mean, that's not, you know, I love Skylar, six-time WNBA All-Star. You know, she didn't play at all last year. And so um, it's been a while since she's actually played in a game. So it, it will be interesting, but... I, you know, from Instagram and the videos that she's posted, she's been working hard. Her shot still looks good. Uh, so hopefully she picks up where she left off. And, you know, Joel Lloyd is Joel Lloyd. She's a bucket. So, yeah, then that offense should be exciting. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be... I I cannot recommend enough. Um, we went to... Uh, part of our honeymoon was in Seattle. We went to a storm game out there. Um, and it was it was fantastic. Um, so yeah, if you, if you get out there and a chance to see your girl, um, I cannot recommend, uh, that game day experience highly enough. I cannot recommend that city highly enough. Um, go get the spicy meatball farfell at Vaughn's. It is one of the best meals I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> um, my. but yeah, Seattle's Seattle's dope and it's, it's nice to see them, um, I mean, not that, you know, I don't want to say woe is them. They've got a billion championships, but um, good to see them getting back. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I am curious just kind of what we know about some uh, some various uh, viewpoints. Um, how do we think Natasha Cloud and Sophie Cunningham in the same locker room is going to go over the course of a season? Yeah, I don't know. It could be a little spicy. It could, I mean, Diana Taurasi, let's not forget her on the roster too. So uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting team. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm excited for the summer. I can't wait for it to get here. Uh, yeah. And that's one of, you know, I, I, I I kind of I go back and forth on this because obviously like people say constantly you know it'd, it'd be nice if the W was had a basketball season that was with every other basketball season and if the players were making enough that they could do that um, and that obviously the financial revenue and growth of the league and player salaries and all that are very very important matters and we hope that it continues to grow we would love that um, but I. I kind of think it's a, it's such a cool thing that you get to watch a college season, watch all these kids, you know, get to know them, fall in love with them if you haven't been following that closely for whatever reason. And then right after, like the season ends, we get usually a day or two. And then the draft and then the W season starts. And I I think that is like I personally love that the the calendar works that way. Um, I, just, I, I think it's so, it's so great that there's, there's no time of year when we do not have, um, that we do not have women's basketball going on somewhere that we can watch. There's no off season. And especially, um, I saw the WNBA app's going to start carrying, uh, at least a portion of the AU games, which absolutely rules. That's fantastic. So just just basketball as far as the eye can see. Um, 
going forward here. A uh, couple other, uh, let me backtrack right quick. Um, not a lot of uh, surprises in the top 25, but I did want to um, go back because I forgot this. Uh, Baylor lost to Texas, uh, which is interesting. I was kind of keeping an eye on the Bears as some people who might be able to make some noise. Um, but I did go back and watch a portion of that game and... Uh, they probably should not have lost to that Texas team. Um, especially not by double digits. So just, I, you know, and God, you, you know, Nikki Collin, I, I, I love you. Um, your first season in Atlanta was completely magical. I still, I will go to my grave thinking that we win the title if Angel doesn't get hurt a week before the playoffs. Um, but that was a, that was a bad loss for the Bears. Um but other than that, we will be looking forward to tomorrow at noon. Uh, again, y'all get on out to Carmichael. If you can't be there in person, it's on ESPN2. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And I, Terry, have you heard any, did, did you seen a text or an email from either of our, uh, our wayward wandering co-hosts here? No, I have not. So maybe they're like still sleeping in this morning. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? I... Maybe I that hopefully that is the sign of a uh, a thoroughly and well enjoyed Friday night for them and uh, we will uh, listener we will hopefully have them back uh, for the next recording at some point here but uh, in the meanwhile we will go ahead and uh, get on with some things um, this has been Carmichael Radio my name is Travis Lund and signing off for Ms Terry Stacker until next time go Hills. Yes, indeed. Go Heels. Y'all be well out there.